We know that the day of the Lord is coming, but what is that and how should we respond to it? Let's talk about that today on the Midweek Move. Hello and welcome to Midweek Move, a podcast extension of The Healing Place. This is a podcast where we examine scriptures line by line, verse by verse, and ask ourselves, what is happening here? And today, ladies and gentlemen, our lead pastor, Scott Etheridge, and I are going to be wrapping up our series on 2 Peter. And uh, I'm excited, um, and it, which is strange to say about this book of Peter because it's not very exciting. It's a lot of doom and gloom, but it, it ends on something that um, it's pretty great, and that is the day of the Lord. Uh, but we got to figure out what that is. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, he's been leading up kind of to yeah. that. And, and he's even told them, hey, in this, like the second letter, he's like, in the second letter, I'm going to remind you of some things right. by way of a reminder. <clears throat> and so I, I don't know that it's doom and gloom. I think it's just, again, his heart for the people. Right. And he had such a heart for the people and he had such a heart for God. And he wanted to make sure that, um, you know, I, I think that when we read, the Apostle Paul and Peter, we one of the things I think we're missing today is the urgency of the apostles. Mm. That here we are a couple thousand years later, mm-hmm. Jesus still hasn't come back. And yet in their day, and they're supposed to be our examples, right? in their day, I'm not sure there was a day that went by that they weren't talking about Jesus coming. Mm-hmm that they weren't teaching one another to be prepared, that they wanted to make sure that everybody who was a part of the body of Christ was ready, mm-hmm. no matter when Jesus was coming. I think maybe we've lost a little bit of that urgency. I think that type of urgency today would be viewed in a way that was um, uncaring, maybe, mm. maybe uncaring, uh, unkind, mm-hmm. maybe. Um, but I, I think that we need it. Mm-hmm. I need it. Yeah. I need I need the urgency <laughs> because my flesh wants to be apathetic. Yeah. All of our flesh wants to be apathetic. Absolutely. To the things of God. Mm-hmm. And we want to be active to the things of the flesh. <laughs> so I think Peter's really taking direct line at that apathy nature. Right. Um, as well as calling out false prophets and heretics and all the dangerous things right. that were around them in those days. but. Well, over the last several weeks, he's been laying out. This is the argumentation of the of the heresies, and it's the denial of of the scriptures, denial of the authority of the scriptures, and the denial of the idea of the fact that Jesus is returning. And now that we've made this shift into going, look, God's not being lazy; he's not; he is going to judge us. Now, today, we're going to talk about what that will look like when Jesus returns, and our actual response to it, which I think that's part of the problem is people, I think that people today aren't sure to res- how to respond to the fact that Jesus, we've been told for years, <clears throat> Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming. And I think that there was a generation of people, like you said, they were ready, they were, but maybe because of just, I mean, we just been delayed. <laughs> people are like, well, what are we supposed to do? I mean, how, how do we act in this? Well, I also think there's a secondary portion to that that people don't think about very often. Mm-hmm. I'm not promised tomorrow. Right. Like I'm not. Mm-hmm. You're not promised tomorrow. Right. Rick's not promised tomorrow. So why would we live today as if we had another 50 years to live? Yeah. 
That's a good question. Now, that doesn't mean you go and take all your money out of the bank and go <laughs> buy a yacht or a boat or whatever. That's not what I'm right. not saying that. But what I am saying is in the spirit, right. the urgency. Um, there are some things happening in my life right now that that maybe 15 years ago I would have been a little more distant from. Mm-hmm. But because of the urgency that I sense, then I am I am doing certain things and taking certain actions because of the urgency of it. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to lose the urgency of that. Right. And so I, I don't see urgency as a bad thing. I don't see right. it as being a party pooper or anything else, man. Right. I, I just think in our spirit, I don't want to be thinking about what I could get done while I'm on my deathbed because something's stricken me all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to say, man, could I have done more? Yes, but I can tell you this. Jesus, you have all my heart and you have all my mind. I'm ready. Mm-hmm. Like, and and I don't know that, I don't know how many people can say that. Yeah. And I know we all think we're ready. <laughs> you can talk to people who don't even know the Lord right. think they're ready. Yeah, yeah. But I don't want to think I'm ready. I want to know that I'm ready. Yeah. And I think that's why Peter is almost going out of his way Mm-hmm. To be like, listen, this is why I'm telling you all these things. Right. This is why I'm warning you about these heretics. Mm-hmm. This is why you need to keep your eyes on this. Here is why. And it's all leading yeah. up to this right here. And we do need to keep in context. One last thing is the fact that we need to remember, this is Peter's deathbed. Yep. This is Peter's going, this is urgent. This is the understand. Tomorrow is promised to no man. Peter's tomorrow. I don't know when this got to the reader's. Peter may have already been passed by the time this got to the readers. But this is that's part of that urgency aspect of the whole aspect happening here is because we're not promised. That's like if I know that I am going to have one more message to preach, mm-hmm. I can promise you it's not going to be how awesome all of us are. Right. Those are not going to be my last words. Right. It's going to be... Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Like Jesus, 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 Jesus. 100%. Like the blood of Jesus. I'm not going to be trying to avoid tag words because I might get a strike on some social media platform or somebody might get upset. It's going to be all the things that maybe the Americanized form of church mm-hmm. have become afraid of because we're not relevant enough. We've co- we've tried to become so relevant to culture that w- you can't tell us from culture. Right. That's a problem. It is. Well, let's jump into it today. I know that wasn't in your notes. <laughs> so so good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this one should be good. Yeah. All right. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Now, this is hearkening back to even Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, in parable form, speaking of the bridegroom coming in the middle of the night and the virgins not being, uh, the five not being ready and five being wise. Uh, The Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens, and by the way, I can't read that as a thief in the night without (laughs) thinking about that 1972 VHS tape. That's all that's going through my head right now. (laughs) Warning, 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 warning. (laughs) Hey, you watch it now, you'd probably be like bottom shelf. Right. By the way, if you don't know, Dallas does a bottom shelf podcast, but, but that would be on the bottom shelf. But in that day, yeah, 
that was pretty like that was that was some heavy stuff, man. And you got Larry Norman at the beginning talking about I wish we'd all been ready. Right. Like DC Talk didn't write that song. No. Like that was <laughs> back then, man. And that's how that movie started, man. Was like it they didn't even like crawl into it. Right. It was like, I wish we'd all been ready. Like, are you ready? Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Sorry, and Thief in the Night. I've talked to many an older individual and they got saved. Because that movie was a catalyst. That movie didn't save them, but it was a catalyst to their salvation. That movie was in the midst of the Jesus People Revolution. It was, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I didn't think that about that. That was in the midst of the Jesus People movement, man. And like, some people think the Jesus People movement was just like a bunch of hippies, peace, love, and all that. No, man, there was an urgency mm-hmm. in that generation. They were like, Jesus is coming. Yeah. Jesus is coming. Dude, you, you've you got Jesus is coming. Yeah. Like, there was an urgency. Um will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Right. So, again, he's laying out, this is going to happen. And this interesting conversation about the thief in the night, it goes back to what we were talking about last week with the the, the virgins. Um, we don't know when it's going to happen. We're not mm. sure when this is going to take place. Um I remember years ago, it was a revelation to me. I forgot what speaker we had here teaching about um, about Jewish, um, the Jewishness of the scriptures, if you will. But he talked about how in a Jewish wedding, how the groom goes off and he is building off the side of his father's house. And he's waiting for the father's permission to go get his bride. And when the father's ready for it, he goes and gets his bride. And that's the scene that we see with the ten brides and ten, uh, or the ten virgins. Um, they're waiting for the groom to come and claim his bride. And they're supposed to be the wedding party to go with them. They don't know when it's going to happen. That's why they had to be prepared. Yep. Because it happens in the middle of the night sometimes when nobody's expecting it. A thief isn't going to go, hey, I'm going to be there at 5 o'clock in the morning. Just a <laughs> right. heads up. Right. It's a sudden thing that takes place, and you have to be ready. You know, there's, we have a, I make a joke. We, there's a family that, uh, that we know that um, every one of them is, is packing heat of some sort. And we used to joke years ago if... If something goes down, you find a McAnally because they're going to keep you safe <laughs> because they're prepared. They're always prepared for whatever's going to take place. And we have to be just prepared. There are unfortunately some people who they believe that not just that there are some who believe that the second coming doesn't happen, but there are some who have taken the opposite direction. They're like, oh, it's already happened. And we're living in the aftermath of it. Wow. And yet we have very clear it's going to happen unexpectedly. Yep. So stop trying to give us your your Y2K predictions. And all this will pass away. There will be a new heaven Mm. and a new earth. Right. So the earth as we know it will pass away, but there will be a new earth. Yeah. That's where people are like, oh, I'm going to be in space somewhere or whatever. The new Jerusalem, there'll be a new Jerusalem, which will be a capital Mm -hmm. of sorts of heaven. Right. Like there's more things than just what we kind of think. Right, and we have these illusions of it because uh, it makes us feel better. Yeah, but it that doesn't always line up with scripture. Exactly. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, mm. looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Okay, so this kind of begins that whole conversation about how do we respond, knowing this is coming forward. And I really appreciate the vocabulary. 
Therefore, since we uh, since the things will dissolve, what manner of person ought you be? Like he's calling out, like you know, like he's he's challenging. Think through this. If this is all happening, if this is coming down. How should you respond, reader? Yep. Think about that. Like, take take stock to evaluate your life. How are we supposed to knowing that this is happening? And not only to say looking for, but he says hastening mm. the coming of the Lord. Well, how do we do that? Well, Jesus gave a lot of teachings on that. Mm-hmm. He said, when you see these things, then this, this, this. One of those things was look up, mm-hmm. for your redemption draws nigh. Right. Right? Look up. What is that an allusion to? Well, it is an allusion to not being focused on this right here, mm-hmm. but being focused on him, being right. focused on what's really happening. Mm-hmm. I think people will be so distracted by what's happening to the world and in the world that they won't know what's happening in the heavenlies. Mm-hmm. And that's where you have five foolish that aren't ready. Right. Absolutely. Therefore, beloved. Mm. I love that terminology because he's laid out some pretty heavy things to them. But mm-hmm. in retrospect, if we look at it then, it wasn't heavy. Right. We see it as heavy now. Mm-hmm. It wasn't really heavy then. Life was heavy. Yeah. They didn't have all the luxuries. <laughs> and we see people, we see pictures of people, you know, from like the 1880s or 1890s. They're like, man, everybody was angry. Man, it was hard living. Yeah. <laughs> like unless they were kings or something. But if they were kings, most of them had gout. Right, <laughs> because it was the king's disease. Because they were the only ones who could afford rich foods. It's like hard living, man. Yeah, like they didn't have the luxuries that we have. They didn't have the sixty-eight to seventy-two degree um, uh, <laughs> thermostats. Yeah, thermostat <laughs> for everyday living in right. their car, in a house, in here, in here. In they didn't have that. Yeah, it was hard living. So when he's speaking to them, it's it's not heavy. It's not harsh. Mm-hmm. It is loving and it's kind and it's compassionate. Right. And he says, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found in him, to be found by him in peace without spot and blameless, and consider that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation. Again, he's already covered that, that the Lord is long suffering. Mm. As also our beloved Paul, according to the wisdom given him, has written to you. Mm. Not someone else. Right. But he's already written to you. Right. As also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction as they do also the rest of the scriptures. Mm. Wow. So lots to unpack here just in these first few verses. Uh, the vocabulary of be diligent to be found by him in peace um what is that what is he calling us to do like what is the active step for a person you're talking to somebody like well pastor how do i live this out what is your your advice to them on how they live that well again in jesus he is our peace Mm -hmm. he is our rest Mm -hmm. he is our hope he doesn't just give us those things Mm -hmm. but he is those things right that's why it's in him we live and move and have our being. Writings of Paul. Mm-hmm. In him we live, we move, and we have our being. It's in Christ, our identity, in Christ. Mm-hmm. Not being identified by our behaviors. Mm-hmm. Not being identified by our likes or our desires. But in Christ, as a child of God, our spirit bears witness 
with his spirit that we are children of God. Now we cry, Abba, Father. We realize, Mm -hmm. we understand, we have a heavenly Father who gave his only begotten Son so that in him now we can have peace. And again, I don't think Peter's trying to to reinvent anything here. He's just simply reestablishing principles that they already know Mm -hmm. and things that they already know. Because again, he pulls it back to the Lord, the Lord, um, the long-suffering of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And again, bringing up Paul. There's a reason why he brought up Paul. These people respected Paul. Mm-hmm. Paul invested a lot in these people's lives. Mm-hmm. And so he's not just throwing out random things. Mm-hmm. And when he says, be diligent, be diligent to be found, be diligent. Mm-hmm. He's already said, looking for and hastening. He's using all these terms like, these are all active terms. Even the looking for yeah. is an active term. It's not just like you're just holding out. Mm-hmm. It's like you're working the fields while you're waiting and looking. Right. You're you're doing these things. So be diligent. And again, he he covers that a little bit more in verse 16 mm-hmm. toward the end where he says, unstable people twist to their own destruction as they do also the rest of the scriptures. Untaught and unstable people. If you're not diligent, you will open yourselves up right. to who? People who are untaught, right. undisciplined, and that's how they began to walk into heresy. Exactly. That's how false prophets started. That's right. how the false teachers started. That's how heresy started. Mm-hmm. They weren't diligent. Right. They fell asleep at the wheel. They were apathetic, and they allowed teachings and people into their life that were not of God. Right. Now, there's some conversation about which writings of Paul we're talking about here, uh, whether he's talking about what we know as the epistles or maybe some other writings. But Paul often talked about the grace of God. And uh, famously, people look at, at his writings about eating meat, the sacrifice on the altar, stuff like that. Even though even that, so that shows a lot of grace, also shows, hey, you have to have a lot of self-control also because you don't want to cause your boats to stumble. But what was happening here is you have people who were going, oh, there's all kinds of grace. Don't worry about it. And you had people who were the untaught, who just, these are the people who I look at, they're, they're in good faith trying just to figure this out. But you had people who were unstable. They were deliberately twisting the scriptures, and it was causing issues. It was conflicting. And yes, Paul is a, he's a complex man. <laughs> you can't read Paul and go, yeah, I got this 100% right off the bat. It, it takes a few times reading him sometimes. But you have these people who have done this, and if we're diligent, we can avoid these pitfalls, just like you were saying. We can avoid the pitfalls of going, all right, you're just untaught, and we have grace for that. We can teach you. (laughs) Or you're like, all right, you're a heretic. Yep. There is a problem here, and we're going to bring correction here. But it goes back to that conversation of diligent. It goes back to the conversation that you and I have had time after time as we go throughout Peter and James or a thing of, we have got to know what the Bible says yeah. and what it doesn't say. That's right. We had to have this focus on both these things because if we're not, we're going to miss the day of the Lord. I would hate to miss the day of the Lord because I allowed myself to be fooled by a false teacher because I was not willing to read the Bible myself. Yep. And to go, Lord, what do you have for me? What is here before me? Because I was foolish enough to go, you know, I don't need church to be a Christian. No, you don't need a church to be a Christian. But, man, I need to be around people who can go, are you sure that's what it says? Let's, let's dig in that together. That is the point. 
of all that com- of community is to grow together so we don't miss the day of the Lord. Yeah, and one of the greatest, uh, I I can't even believe that this statement even is being made, but one of the greatest dividers in the American church specifically is the authority of Scripture. Mm-hmm. It's That is mind-blowing to yeah. me. The authority of Scriptures, the living Word of God, mm-hmm. powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, and churches are being split over the authority of Scripture. Yep. Leaders are saying the Scripture is not authoritative. I just... The foundation of I our faith. can't believe it, but the Word's already told us it would happen. Yeah. And Peter's telling us yeah. that it's going to happen. And it is happening. And, you know, once you begin to go that direction, mm. then the truth does not set you free because it's not the truth. Yeah. Your version of the truth doesn't make it truth. Right. Truth is truth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Verse 17. It's all encouraging. <laughs> yes. You, therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, man, mm. this is so good. Since you know this beforehand, beware, lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked, mm. but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and and forever. Amen. Amen. So Since you it. know this beforehand, you know it. Right. So beware. He didn't say know it, and because you know it, you're good. Right. He said know it, but beware. Mm-hmm. Be diligent. Eyes open. Right. Guard your heart. Guard your mind. Be aware. Yeah. Be alert. What was the word for the for the virgins, be alert. They were slumbering. And when they awoke, five were not ready. Yeah. They weren't alert. They weren't ready. Yeah. They felt like just because they were five virgins, everything was great. And everybody was going to give them oil. Right. Just because you're a good person doesn't mean that everybody's going to bring you oil. Right. Because they're going to need oil themselves. That's not a selfish act. Right. If I'm filled with oil, that's not a selfish act. That means I have opened myself up to be filled, right? which means I am doing, I am seeking the Lord. I am asking, seeking, and knocking. I have a relationship with Jesus. I'm being filled with oil. That's not a selfish action because right. I have nothing to give anyone else if I have nothing. Right. And so those five that were wise, they weren't selfish by saying no because the only way the bridegroom would take them is if they were full of oil. Right. Like... We twist the scriptures again because it doesn't make us feel good or we feel better thinking something else, but that doesn't make it the truth. Right. And that's what Peter is saying. He's saying, from your own steadfastness, this will allow you to fall away, being led away with the error of the wicked. He's saying it's even possible for you. You have been steadfast. Right. He's not speaking to a bunch of people who haven't been faithful. Right. He's speaking to faithful people. Exactly. He's saying, but even you can be led away if you're not alert. And then, but he puts that three-letter word in there, so awesome. But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He brings it right back to Jesus. Right. All the way back to Jesus. It's in him we live and we move and we have our being. It's all in him. Exactly. 
Well, folks, we want to hear from you guys. How has this encouraged you? Has it challenged you? Reach out to us, mediahub at thbruceshreport.com. And Dallas, you may want to check on uh, Thief in the Night on YouTube and see if it has an uptick. <laughs> I'll check the numbers. Check the views. <laughs> check the views on Thief in the Night on the YouTube version. <laughs> oh, man. Some of you will watch the first five minutes and be like, really? Yep. Seriously? That Just wait it. till the dude with a mustache shows up. That guy's. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Well, Pastor, what's your final takeaway for uh, not just this chapter, but um, just the book of P- uh, Second Peter, period? Be ready. Yeah. That's just be ready. Yeah. And I think that that was Peter's heart. Mm-hmm. I really believe that, is that he wanted those people. He knew they had been faithful. He calls them beloved. Yeah. It wasn't, he didn't hate these people. He wasn't trying to hurt these people. Right. He loved these people. And he had sacrificed for these people. Right. And he just wanted to make sure, again, most believe this was the end of his life as this would be penned. Mm-hmm. And he was just simply pouring out everything in his heart. Yeah. And I don't think that if, if someone I love is on their deathbed and they're giving me everything they've got, I'm going to go, wow, oh, that's a bit harsh. Yeah. Like, seriously? Like, that's a bit harsh. I'm going to be listening intently yeah. and everything they tell me, I'm going to be like, okay, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because that last nugget of their life is going to be, it's the most important thing they have to say to you. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think Peter boiling it all down was be ready. Yeah. You need to be ready. Absolutely. For me, it's, it's being ready, but in a couple of practical ways it's a just know what the what this says know what the word of god says get into it actively read the bible uh cover to cover ask questions about it be aware yes of what's happening around you um i think some people they get too much into it um you know i was i I do a lot of studies in in different cults mormonism jehovah witnesses black Hebrewism, and i asked them ask me why why do you do this why do you watch these videos it's like because i want to know what's happening with people around me I need to understand why they, how they got here so I can better help them get through it. But my focus isn't just them and the heresies. It's what does the word of God say? So often we focus too much on heresy. We focus too much on looking for Satan and other things. We forget to see God. Yeah. And if we're not focused on what God has actually said, how are we equipped to help people who are listening to other things? Quite honestly, I don't have time to preach against people. Yeah. I need to preach the gospel. Exactly. <laughs> and if I preach the gospel and the truth and the good news, then hopefully the people that are hearing it will let that take root in their life and they will foster that and feed that and they will continue that study on mm-hmm. so that when a false prophet does come or heresy does come, they recognize it, they're alert, they stay away from it, they yeah. cast it out, and they walk in the truth. Absolutely. Well, like I said, guys, we'll hear from you. Reach out to us, mediahub at com. Uh, all fr- find our Facebook page, look for a midweek move and don't forget to share this out. And also while you're at it, let us know what you think of the thief of the night, because now I'm really curious as to what you guys are. <laughs> and are Dallas, thinking. can I say one more thing yeah, yeah. before we, before we go? And I think we passed by this stuff too, too quick, but at the filming of this re- recently, um, a theologian passed away, Tim yeah. Keller. Mm-hmm. And although we probably couldn't go line by line, uh, he and I on everything, mm-hmm. uh, he was a, he was a theologian. He was a gift to the body of Christ. Yeah, he was. Um, he he was uh, a man of the Bible, um, and I think that uh, in the midst of such a uh, 
a church culture of division and anger and angst and all of that, that we need to be careful mm. to honor those who have labored among us. And uh, again, I've, I've, I've read some of his commentary. I've used quotes from Tim Keller. Mm-hmm. Uh, out of the maybe 2,900 sermons I have in a digital file, you know, there's probably a hundred Tim Keller quotes in there, mm-hmm. you know, and I never put a quote by somebody that I don't believe wholeheartedly and 100%. And um, if I put a quote of somebody in a message and I'm preaching the word of God and I put a quote by somebody mm-hmm. along with that, it's a big deal. Yeah. And I did that quite a lot with Tim Keller or Timothy Keller. Um, and so I just want to acknowledge that. I just want to, what we're doing line by line, he did for the almost the majority of his, his Christian life. Yeah. And uh, I just think we need to honor that. Absolutely. That's good. That's good. Well, guys, like I said, I want to hear from you guys. Let us know. Until next time, have a great week.